But if you've got a Bible with you, if you want to turn with me, we're going to be in the book of 1 Kings together today. 1 Kings chapter 19. And we'll begin at verse 1. And this is what it says. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to be a Sheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there, by his head, was some bread, baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, he ate, and he drank. Strengthened by that food, He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, they've rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came, and go back to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hezreel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Moriah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Israel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, 
All whose knee has not bowed down to bow and whose mouths have not kissed him. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your words. We thank you, Lord God, that though written thousands of years ago, it speaks directly into our situations and our circumstances today. We thank you, Lord God, that in reading your word, it in turn reads us and it shows us those areas of our lives which maybe need to change. It gives us encouragement and it helps us persevere. King Jesus, will you have your way as we open up this scripture today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever experienced, I wonder, a time where you have faced extreme exhaustion? I mean, we all get tired from time to time, don't we? Some of us on a daily basis. But have you ever experienced those moments where you are so tired, you simply don't know which day it is? You don't know whether you are coming or going. It's happened to me a few times, but I remember a couple of years ago when I went to Ghana with compassion coming back, I really, really hit a wall. I was only out there for five days. So the idea was we were going to cram as much as we could into this trip as possible. So much so that on our last day, our flight home was at night. So we could have a full day of doing lots of different things and visiting different projects while we were out there in order to maximise our time there. So that's what happened. The last day came, 6am, we arose and we went and visited a load of projects around the capital of Ghana to the point where we got to the end of the day and I was feeling tired. But then we had to go to the airport. Went to the airport, we waited for our flight. I was feeling tired, even more so at this point, and we got on our flight at 10 a.m. Now, for, at 10 p.m. Now, for most people, this wouldn't have been an issue. Most people, they would have got on the plane at 10 p.m., they would have fell asleep, they would have woke up at 7 a.m. UK time, lovely jubbly, and gone home. The problem is, I am an incredibly light sleeper. The smallest noise will keep me awake. So if I'm sitting up, there is no way that I'm going to sleep. On top of that, I was sitting next to two rather large gentlemen who decided they didn't have enough room in their own seat, so they decided they spread out over into my seat as well. So I was sitting there like this for the entire flight home, and it got to 7am, and I was absolutely exhausted, only to have another four-hour journey back to Plymouth with someone who, let's just say, is a bit of a talker on the way home. So there was no way that I was going to sleep. And as a result, I didn't know whether I was coming or going, I don't think, when I got home. It took me at least three days to recover from that trip. But here's the thing, I did recover because in the grand scheme of things, missing a few hours sleep is no big deal. There are people in this room who work a lot of night shifts, so they'll know exactly what I'm talking about when you've got to stay up all day in order to work night. Missing a few hours sleep is no big deal. Your body is equipped to recover from that. But how do we recover when our tiredness is not simply because we've missed a few hours sleep, when our exhaustion is not simply physical, but it's also emotional. I don't know about you, but there have been times over these past 18 months, two years, I lose count now, which I have found extremely exhausting on so many levels. The new skills that we have had to learn, the endless amounts of staring at a screen, the constant Zoom meetings that I have found myself in, the change of pace and life and everything that has changed that we have known before. And the problem is, when we hit a season of sustained change, 
and the pace changes in the way that it has over the last few months, it's not only left us feeling tired at times, it's not only left us feeling exhausted at times, it's also left us feeling burnt out. To be burnt out, according to the dictionary, means to ruin one's health or be completely exhausted through overwork. I wonder if anyone has felt like that in these last couple of years. I wonder if anyone can identify with that today. So far as we have engaged together in this season that we've called the comeback, we've looked at how people have come back from a season of trouble and transition. We've looked at how people have come back from times where people have done the unthinkable to them. We've looked at how people have come back in Scripture when they have faced terrible circumstances. Last week, we looked at a comeback from sin. And today, I want us to look at how we come back when we don't feel like we've got anything left to give anymore. When it all feels too much. When the burden that we have been carrying suddenly becomes uncarryable. Burnout is not a new thing. In fact... We see burnout happen in Scripture. The story of Elijah, in many ways, is a classic story of burnout. We've read together this morning 1 Kings chapter 19, but if we were to skip back a chapter and look together at 1 Kings chapter 18, we will see Elijah emerging victorious from this amazing contest where he goes up against the prophets of Baal to see whose God is the real God. I'm sure you know the story. The prophets of Baal, they gather, they build an altar, and they start to call on their God in order to come down and consume the altar in front of them. And they cry out, and they cry out, and they cry out, and they cry out, and nothing happens. Elijah begins to taunt him, and he says, perhaps your God's asleep. You might want to cry a bit louder. So they do, and still nothing happens. But then it's Elijah's turn to call on his God, and he's so confident, he douses the altar in water and prays to God, and it's consumed by fire. Fast forward ever so slightly, Jezebel, who's the queen at the time, she gets angry. I mean, she gets really, really angry. She wants Elijah dead, so she sends a message to Elijah to say, I'm planning to kill you. Shortly after the amazing miracle that he sees happen, Elijah is running for his life. He's scared, he doesn't know what to do, and he's hiding in a cave. He's in fear. He feels alone and he's on the verge of burnout. What we see in Elijah's life really show us the classic signs of burnout from this particular passage. So what are those signs? Well, first and foremost, I would say one sign of burnout is that we begin to depreciate our worth. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 4 says this, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. One of the signs of burnout, I believe, is that we begin to put ourselves down. We start to tell ourselves over and over again that we're nobody, that we're worthless, that our life doesn't really matter. And what happens here in the case of Elijah is that as a result of his emotional state which he finds himself in, he starts to play the comparison game. He starts to say, do you know what? It doesn't really matter. I'm no better than my ancestors. What on earth is the point? When we find ourselves constantly comparing ourselves to others, it's a sure sign that burnout is on the way. And the worst 
case of this is when we start to compare what our expectations of life should be to the reality of where they are. Because what happens when we do that is we become our own worst critic and then guilt starts to set in. It's a slippery slope because what happens when we get to this point where we start to compare things and we start to compare what's going on in life and where we think life should be is we start to try to make things better and we start to try to push ourselves further in order to make things different. And then what happens, nothing changes, so even more guilt sets in. I wonder over this season if you can identify with that. When you've looked at your Facebook or your Instagram or your social media and you've seen pictures that other people put up and it looks like their life is okay and it looks like everything's brilliant and actually your world seems to be crumbling and you look at these pictures and you start to compare and you start to say, God, my life's not like that. Why on earth is it all right for them? Why why on earth am I struggling so badly? The reality is people put their highlight reels on social media. We all hide what's really going on in our life. But the problem is when we dwell in that place, that is a slippery slope to us burning out. The second sign of burnout that we see in this passage today is we begin to underrate our work. 1 Kings 19 verse 9, And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, they've rejected your covenant, they've torn down your altar, and they've put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah was a man of God. He had gone hard after God with everything that he had. Yet he starts to blame himself for the fact that the Israelites have rejected God. He starts to pile pressure on himself for things which really weren't his fault. You see, as a prophet, his role was to tell the nation of Israel what God wanted them to do. But they chose not to listen to the prophet. And as a result, what happens is they begin to morally fall apart. You see, Elijah is doing what he is called to do. But the people pay no attention, so that brings the pressure on him. And what happens When we find ourselves in that place, once again, we easily end up trying to control everything. We start to think it's our responsibility, don't we, to make things better and make things right. And the problem is, in a season like we have been in, actually, we realize how very little control we truly have over anything. And when we get into that place, it can end up in burnout, but because it leads to us carrying a burden that we were never meant to carry. It leads to us carrying a burden, really, which is only for God's shoulders. The third sign of burnout that we see in our passage is that we begin to exaggerate the problems before us. The end of verse 10, he says, I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Can you see the place Elijah has gotten himself into here? He is so worked up He can no longer see what is truly going on. And as a result, everything seems bigger to him than it actually is. And as a result, he does what we all do in these kind of situations. He overemphasizes what is wrong and ready to walk away. I wonder if you've been in a similar position. Maybe, if you're honest, you're in a position like that right now where you might be ready to check out on your marriage or your career or your church because you've reached a point where you're so exhausted that it's hard 
to truly care in the way that you once did. What we see portrayed in the life of Elijah is effectively situations which led him to the brink of burnout, to the point where he no longer sees his value, that he compares his situation against his expectations, where he no longer sees the value in the things which he has done, where the problems in his life suddenly become so over-exaggerated that he leads to a point where he's emotionally checked out. Have you been there? Are you there right now, I wonder? Because here's the thing, if you are there, there is good news today. Because what we've learned over this series so far and what we see in the life of Elijah is that with God, there is always a comeback. And what we see from the life of Elijah today are four steps to recovering from burnout. Step number one is really simple. Rest your body. 1 Kings 19, 5 to 9 says this, Then he lay down under a bush and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. That's amazing, right? Elijah is on the verge of burnout. And what happens? Doesn't get a lecture from God. God doesn't tell him off and say, come on, Elijah, pull yourself together. You need to sort it out. You shouldn't be in this state. Do you not know who I am? No. The first antidote we see here to burnout is physical, sleep and eat. You know, sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is to get a good night's sleep. Because when we're tired, we can't handle things in the way that we would do when we are full of energy. When we're tired, we leave the door open in our life to temptation. When we're tired, we sometimes don't act in a very Christ-like way. Have you ever noticed that you... Go to bed feeling a certain way about a situation, but only to wake up the next day feeling totally different about the thing which has bugged you. That's why it's so important that we don't make major life decisions when we're in a place of tiredness, exhaustion, or burnout. Because we almost always live to regret them. If you're feeling burnt out today, one of the things that it's important for you to do is to rest. You know, God understands your body. That's why we read in Psalm 127 and verse 2 these words, In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those that he loves. If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling burnt out today, if you're feeling exhausted, the first step to recovery is to make sure that you get the rest that you need. Resting physically will ultimately enhance you spiritually. Number two, we need to learn to appropriately release our frustrations. 1 Kings 19, 9 and 10 says this, and the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, they have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. As Christians, 
We're not very good at revealing our emotions at times, are we? We have this weird idea that as Christians, we need to have it all together all the time. That's why a lot of the time when we're talking about our feelings and our emotions, it's very much only a surface level introduction, isn't it? When the truth is, actually, none of us have got our lives together. And some of us are just simply better at hiding it than others. The problem is, though, that because no one can truly mask their feelings all the time, because we can't, we can do it on a Sunday when we're having a tea and coffee and tell people that we're fine, actually, at times, it means our frustrations get released in the wrong places. Growing up, I had a season ticket for Portsmouth Football Club. And in my old age, I've had to downgrade and get a season ticket for Argyle, but that's another story for another day. But growing up, I used to go and watch Portsmouth every single Saturday when they were home with my granddad. And every time we would be walking home and Portsmouth Football Club would lose a game, my granddad would say the same thing every single time. He would say, I'm going to go home and I'm going to kick the cat. Now, my granddad didn't have a cat. So no animals actually got hurt or harmed any Saturday when Portsmouth lost, which is good because we lose a lot. So no animal got harmed. But what he was effectively saying when he would say, I'm going to go home and kick the cat, is I can't do anything about what I've just seen or of what I've just witnessed. There is no way that I can release my frustrations here, so I need to find another outlet to release my frustrations. I wonder how many of us do exactly the same. That when turmoil comes, when it's out of our control, if we're not careful, the proverbial cat gets a kicking. Rather than taking our frustrations out and taking our frustrations to the one who can actually handle them. If you're tired, if you're burnt out, if you're frustrated, if you're disillusioned right now, your comeback starts with taking those frustrations to God. Someone once said, revealing how you're feeling is the beginning of healing. That's what Elijah teaches us here. God wasn't surprised or shocked when Elijah grumbles to him and gripes at him. God didn't say, wow, this is new information to me, Elijah. I never knew you felt like this. I'm so sorry. No. God is not shocked, and he's not shocked at how you feel either. God has broad shoulders, and he can carry your issues and your baggage and your burdens. We see it all too often in the pattern in the Psalms, don't we? Where there is emotional outpouring on so many occasions because of the situations. So today, if you are tired, if you're emotionally burnt out, take those frustrations to the one who can ultimately do something about them. And do what the Bible says in 1 Peter. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. The third thing which I believe Elijah teaches us, which enables a comeback, is that we need to be a people who refocus on God. 1 Kings 19.11 says, The Lord said, Go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And in the next few minutes, God puts on this amazing, amazing display of might and power for Elijah. An incredible wind tore through and it shattered the rocks and the mountains. Then we see an earthquake followed by a fire. Why does God do this? I believe that God does this because he wants to remind Elijah once again of his power. And he wants to remind Elijah once again who is sovereign and who is in control. Why? Because one of the roots of burnout is to assume responsibility and assume a position which was never, ever meant for us. 
We take our response to God. We take God's responsibilities on our shoulders. And then we wonder why we can't carry the loads which we're carrying. And in showing Elijah these things, once again, he's reminding Elijah, I'm the one who controls the universe. I'm the one who put the foundations in place. I'm the one who knows the end from the beginning. But here's the incredible part of this. You see, in all of those acts that he does, he's not in them. He sets them off, but he's not in them. But it's in the still, small voice where God is and where God speaks to Elijah. Why? Because that's where intimacy is. When we take God's responsibility on our shoulders, we end up burying ourselves. Whereas what we need is someone to draw close enough to us to whisper. And that's what God does to Elijah that day. He's not in the great pyrotechnic shows of the fire and the earthquake and the wind, but he draws close to Elijah to whisper once again who he is and who he has called Elijah to be. Are you tired? Are you burnt out? Are you disillusioned at the moment? Does God feel a million miles away from you right now? Stop. Give back responsibility to God, which belongs to him. Recenter and refocus your life on him once more. And allow the still, small voice of intimacy to whisper into your ear right now. Finally, the cure for burnout is to resume serving others. One of the immediate reactions that we have when we face times of exhaustion and burnout is to think, that's it. I need to stop everything. I need to resign from everything that I was doing. I cannot possibly go on any longer. No, 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 no. You need to rest. Yes. You need to rest and recuperate. And you need to get over that initial tiredness. Yes. You need to refocus. But when our reaction is, right, I'm done now. I'm clocking out. I'm checking out of everything what happens is we become introspective. And we become so focused on us that it ends up in a pity party. What does Elijah do here? What is he called to do when he is met by the Lord? 1 Kings 19, verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came, go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazreel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elijah, son of Shaphat, over Abel-Morella, to succeed you as prophet. What's Elijah called to do in the midst of his burnout? He is called to serve. Why? Because it's in serving others, it refocuses us and it shifts our perspective. Once again, that's exactly what Jesus does when he finds himself uh, at the Last Supper. At his most stressed point, his most soul-anxious point, he gets on his knees and he washes the disciples' feet. You see, what happens here in the life of Elijah is God gives him a new assignment. He wanted him to know that actually he's not finished with him yet. It might be that he finds himself in a place of burnout where he is tired, exhausted, not wanting to go on. But God is not finished with him. And I believe that maybe there are some people here in this room today and some people who are watching online right now. And God wants you to know today that he's not finished with you either.
This season may have felt like it's been horrendously difficult for you personally. It may have felt like you have not known whether you are coming or going, but God wants you to know today that it's not the end. And if today you're feeling tired, if today you're feeling burnt out or disillusioned, the call is simple. Rest, release, refocus, resume. Four things which lead us from a point where everything feels on top of us to a point where we can once again see what God is doing. God is not done with you today. Not by a long shot. The best truly is yet to come. With God, there is always a comeback. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. If you're in the room, I'm going to invite you to stand. I wonder this morning if you are in need of hearing the still small voice of God speak over your life once again. I wonder this morning if you need a comeback personally. You felt so tired, so emotional, so all over the place as a result of what has happened. And you just need God to speak into your life today. Love to pray with you today. If today that's you, then I want to invite you to come forward and stand at the front. And someone will come and they will pray with you as we sing this song. If you do come forward, I'd invite you to put a mask on. Particularly if you're going to come forward and pray with one another, please put a mask on as we pray. But I believe God wants to start healing process this morning that only he can do. Stop toiling, stop struggling. Refocus, recenter, resume this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you and praise you that no matter how difficult this season must have felt to so many of us, you're not done with us. Lord, for the times of turmoil, the tense times, the times of struggle, Lord, you will use for your glory. And I want to pray specifically this morning for those that might be in this room or online who feel burnt out. May today be the first day of recovery in Jesus' name. May today be the first day where once again their eyes are lifted. And their perspective is shifted to a God who says, I know the end from the beginning. Will you have your way, King Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.